Our sermon text is from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 6 and 16, and chapter 21, verses 18 through 21, and this can be found on page 86 and 94. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, of the house of slavery. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives, and they shall say to the elders of the city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. This is the word of God. We are studying, continuing our study of the book of Deuteronomy this fall. And as we have said all along, Deuteronomy is essentially a treaty. It is a treaty between a king and his people, between God, the king, and Israel, his people. And it is being laid out as these people stand on the edge of the promised land. He is telling them this great history, all the work that God has done to free them from slavery, to bring them out of Egypt. And then he gives them this treaty, these rules. And he says, when we go into this promised land, you should not live like slaves any longer. When we go into this promised land, you will not live like you belong to the Pharaoh, but you will live like you belong to me. And here is what your life should look like. And so this fall, we are looking at these different commandments, and we are on command number five today. The fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. And this is a commandment we desperately need today. As I have studied this and thought about it all week long, I've come to recognize that this is a huge commandment because it is not just about parents and children. This commandment is about how we uh, relate throughout our society. It's not just about the relationship we have with our moms and our dads, but it's about the relationship we have with every authority at all levels of our life. Honestly, as I've thought about it, I believe that this commandment has a lot more to do with Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail than it does with Dr. Spock's parenting books. And so today as we study it, I want us to understand that. I want us to try to get our minds around what's in this commandment. The fifth commandment has four things to teach us this morning. First, it teaches us that God cares about how we respond to the people he has put in power. It tells us that God calls us to honor his authority above the authority of any man or woman. It tells us that God calls us to use our power justly. And fourthly, it shows us how God has used his own power. So we're going to talk about those four things this morning. And first we're going to talk about that God cares about how we respond to the people he has put in power. God cares about how we respond to the people he has put in power. Okay, so traditionally we divide the Ten Commandments into two groups. There's the first half, 
which is all about our relationship between us and God, right? The first commandment, no other gods before me. Don't make any images. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Then we have the other group of commandments, five through the end, that tell us how we are supposed to relate to one another. And this is the first one. The first commandment God gives about how we should relate to each other is that we should honor our father and mother. Why does he start with that one? Isn't that interesting? I mean, why doesn't he pick something like, I don't know, love your neighbor as yourself? Why honor your father and mother? Well, to, to understand that, first you have to realize that society at this time, the society in Israel was based around the family. The family was the basic unit of, of, of uh, the social economy. It was the basic unit of the, the economy. It was, it was spiritually where everything began. Everything goes back to the family in Israel. And so if you ever read through the Old Testament, which you should, by the way, if you ever read through the Old Testament, you'll find these different places where they come to a new territory and they start to split up the land and there's these long lists of names. And you find they give out territory first to the, to the tribes. But then they split it up even further and they go down to the clans that make up the tribes. And then they go down even further and it says that they split up land by the heads of the father's households. And so when we get to this verse and God says honor your father and mother that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you there's actually a very literal reason for that promise the breakdown of the family for Israel would have meant the breakdown of their whole society the breakdown of the family would have meant the disruption of how their whole community was organized so, at the ground level, at the very basic level, this commandment, it is about parents and children. It's about grown children and young children. It's a call to honor and respect their parents. But, because of how that society was structured, this is also a commandment about how we should respond to all authority. And when you think about it, it's not a hard connection to make. Right? It's, it's not hard to see the parallel between the way children relate to their parents and the way we relate to people in power. Right? It's not hard to see the, the tension between fathers and sons and the tension that we have between the people who are over us. The truth is we have the fifth commandment because we have a problem with authority. Amen? <laughs> we have a problem with authority. We, you know, my youngest daughter, she is only 22 months old. And already, I bet you know what her favorite word is. What is her favorite word? No, right? No. Glory, eat this. No. Glory, put your shoes on. No. Glory, don't climb on the table. No. She's, she's not even two. And she has already learned to assert her will over her parents. And she's not special. She is not unique. And she's not different than us. You know, glory is just showing what is inside every one of our hearts. The truth is, we are all thinking the same thing. We do not like to submit. We do not like to be told what to do. 
We do not like it when we can't get our way. We want to be the ones who call the shots. And so we lash out. We get angry. We rebel. We mock. We make fun of the people in charge. And now maybe some of you here are thinking, not me. <laughs> not me. I don't do that. I, I keep the rules. Are there any rule keepers out there? Come on, you know who you are. Are, there, are any of you the kind of people when, when you, you look back and see you dropped a piece of trash, you'll always go and, and pick it up and carry it to the trash can that's two blocks away, even if nobody's watching? Is that you? I, I know there's some, some people like that. Well, I want to say, if that is you, if you are a rule keeper, you're not getting off that easy. Because this commandment is not about keeping the rules. This commandment is not follow the rules of your father and mother. It is honor your father and mother. It's about our attitude. It's about our intentions. It's about the heart behind our actions. So yes, we break this commandment when we reject authority, but we also break this commandment when we forget who we're dealing with. You know what I mean by that? Occasionally in our house, we'll, we'll come into this situation where my wife is asking our children to do something, maybe take their dishes to the sink, and, and they're busy, they're doing something else, they don't want to do it. But eventually, they will hear her and they'll say, fine. Our daughter, she'll get up, she'll fine. And she'll come and she'll put the plate in the sink. And when that happens, if I'm paying attention, if I'm present in that moment, I will always pause and say to our kids, don't talk to your mother that way. Do not talk to your mother that way. And maybe I'll remind them, she carried you in her body <laughs> for nine months. And the plates that you just put in the sink were from the meal that she just cooked for you. And she's cooked almost every meal that you've eaten in your entire life. Don't forget who you're dealing with. Well, Paul, he makes a similar argument when he's talking about the authorities in our life. In Romans chapter 13, we just read it. He says this. He says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. So Paul says this. Paul says our leaders deserve respect. But not because of who they are. Our leaders deserve respect because of who God is. When we disrespect, when we disobey people who are in authority over us, we are forgetting that ultimately it is God who we're dealing with. We're forgetting who we're dealing with. We are forgetting that we are dealing with a sovereign God who is in control, who knows what he's doing. And so this commandment tells us that when we mock and when we dismiss their authority, we are actually mocking and dismissing God's authority. Now, some of you, I can already, I can see your brains working even as we read that text. And I think this is how, one of those signs. This is how we know that we have a problem with authority. We can barely hear this without thinking of a thousand excuses. 
We can barely hear these words without a reaction. Especially when those people in charge are people we don't like. Especially when those people in charge are people we didn't choose. We don't want to listen. We want to throw a tantrum. We want to yell no. But Romans, Paul, he does not say that we should honor the people in authority because of the quality of the people in charge. He doesn't say we should submit to the leaders because they are charismatic and nice. In fact, when Paul wrote this, he was talking about emperors who were setting Christians on fire for sport. He was talking about people who were oppressing and killing his brothers and sisters in Christ. But Paul says we are called to honor those who have been placed above us because God knows better than we do. So, when we deal with superiors, when we deal with the people above us, we are called to honor them, to obey them, to pray for them. Not because of who they are, but because of who God is. So that's the first point. God cares about how we respond to people in power above us. But the second point is this. God also calls us to honor his authority above any man or any woman. God calls us to honor his authority above any man or any woman. It is right, if you were sitting in this room and listening to these instructions, for you to have some questions. And I bet you that that question is, in your mind right now, what about bad parents? What about bad rulers? What about evil parents? What about evil rulers? Are you telling me that just because God has put them there, I have to do what they say? No, I'm not saying that. In fact, I want to be very clear. I want to address this as clearly as I possibly can because I know you. I know the people sitting in this room. I know a lot of you. And I know that you have suffered, some of you, under evil authority. Maybe you had parents that abused you. Maybe you had a boss that has harassed you. Maybe you have lived under unjust laws. Maybe you lived through the civil rights era in this country. Or maybe you have immigrated from another country where evil men have amassed power to oppress and harm people. Well, what do we do then? What do we do when we find ourselves under leaders like that? What do we do when we find ourselves with parents like that? What do we do when we find ourselves facing laws that are immoral and laws that are unjust? Well, thankfully, the Bible speaks to those things. And there's two really clear examples that I, I want us to, to look at. One is from Scripture, and one is from rec the recent history of our own country. The first is from Scripture, and it's King Saul. King Saul was the first king in the nation of Israel, and he was also a terrible king. And you know what else? He was a terrible father, too. And we see both of those things in Scripture. We see the relationship between Saul and his son, Jonathan. And Jonathan, we read throughout the, his story, was obedient to his father. Even some of his less wise decisions, Jonathan showed him honor. Until... Jonathan found out about his plans to kill David. David was a rising 
uh, military star. He was a popular figure in the society. He would go on to become the next king, but he was also Jonathan's friend. And so when Jonathan found out, when he had the opportunity, he warned David and allowed him to escape before Saul could get to him. And when you read that story, you realize that Jonathan obeyed his father, but not when it contradicted the will of his heavenly father. Amen? He obeyed his father, but not when it contradicted the will of his heavenly father. Not when it required him to sin. And as the story goes on, we follow David on the run from this mad king. This crazy king who wants him dead because he is jealous. And we find that that David winds up with his men hiding in the back of this dark cave. This is 1 Samuel 24. You can go read it later. And Saul comes out with his army, is looking for them, and by God's providence, goes into that cave, it says, to relieve himself. I'm guessing number two, I don't know. I've never been on the battlefield, but I'm guessing that's why you got to go in a cave. His robe is on the ground. I'm just, you know, making assumptions. But David and his men see this, and the men say, you should, this is your chance. God has brought him right in front of you. Go kill him. And David refuses. Instead, it, we, we find out that he cuts off the corner of his robe. And when Saul walks out, David follows. And when he's out to a safe distance, it says that David yells to him, and he says, see my father. See the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. In that moment, we see a perfect example of how you keep the fifth commandment. David acknowledges his power. David even calls him father. Saul was not his father, but he calls him father because he recognizes his authority. But he also confronts his sin. He also calls out his injustice. And he trusts the judgment to God. The fifth commandment requires that we honor those in power. But it doesn't mean we have to follow them into sin. And it gives us room to challenge their injustice. Another example, one from recent history, is one I just mentioned a moment ago. Martin Luther King. His letter from a Birmingham jail. It might be the most helpful explanation of how we take this fifth commandment and we deal with injustice in our society. You see, he wrote that law, he wrote that letter while he was in jail. While he was in prison because there were unjust, racially based laws all across our country. And he wrote the letter, you may not know this, but he says it in the introduction, he wrote this letter in response to other Christians. To, to white clergymen in the South who said, you shouldn't be breaking these laws and getting yourself arrested. Just be patient. Just wait. Let the courts work it out. And in the letter, he says very clearly, he says, just 
as it is our duty to follow and keep just laws. It is our duty as Christians to break unjust laws and suffer the consequences. And he gives all these examples. But he gives us one from Scripture. He gives the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. Do you remember this? The king ordered that they bow down to an idol, but they refused to break God's law. And when they did, the king threw them into a fiery furnace. Now we know that God ended up delivering them, but but Dr. King tells us that it is our duty to keep the law of God, even if it means we have to break the laws of men. It is our duty to keep the law of God, even if it means we have to break the law of men. So what about bad leaders? What about bad parents? Well, God, he calls us to submit to them. He calls us to honor them. But he does not call us to sin for them. And he does not call us to hide their sin from others. And I want to I make sure you hear that. If you are in a situation where someone is misusing their power, where they, God does not call you to, to endure that forever. God doesn't call you to, to tolerate abuse. He doesn't call you to tolerate being molested or battered. You keep the fifth commandment by calling attention to that sin. You honor them by exposing that evil and calling them to repent. Dr. King, King David, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they kept the fifth commandment by honoring God's authority above the authority of men. God says, honor your father and mother, but he calls us to honor his authority above all else. That's the second point. But the third thing I want to point out, firstly, like I said, the fifth commandment, it teaches us that we need to honor those that God has put in power. It teaches us that we need to honor God above all else. But thirdly, it teaches us that we also need to use our power justly. We need to use our power justly. The fifth commandment is a commandment we're supposed to look at from both sides. So far, we've been thinking about it just one direction, right? We've been thinking about people who are in power over us. But the truth is, just as every one of us is a person under power, every one of us is also a person in power. You don't believe me? Maybe you don't feel like you have any power? Well, if that's you, I just want to invite you. Sometime, sometime soon, walk out to the bus stop and stand there for the afternoon. I promise you that as that day goes by, you will see that there are people who have less power than you. Go home. Turn on the news. Read about the way, the situations that are going on around this globe. You will come to realize that you are a person of particular power. You are a person with particular privilege. If you have a bed to sleep in tonight, you have power. If you have legs that work, you have power. 
If you have a healthy body, if you have a dollar in your pocket, then you have power. Just ask somebody who doesn't have those things. You have power. And there are some of us in this room who have a particular power. Some of us, some of you, are U.S. citizens. And so you have some power that others in this room don't. Some of you have a few gray hairs on your head and some wisdom and some knowledge, some understanding of how the world works, and that means you have some power that others of us don't. Or maybe you have a degree or a nice salary, or maybe you own a home, or maybe you have employees who work for you, or maybe you have children or grandchildren that you're raising. Maybe you have students that you're teaching, and that means that you have power and authority that others don't. God has given every one of us in this room some kind of power. And just as this commandment tells us that we should respond to the people in authority with honor and respect, it also tells us that we need to deal justly with the power that God has given us. We need to deal justly with those who have less power than we do. This command, when it talks about authorities, you know, it doesn't say kings. It doesn't say prophets. It doesn't say priests or judges or bosses or presidents. It says father and mother. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But I think at least one of those reasons is because it wants us to recognize that power is generative. Power is generative. Say that, generative. Generative. When I mean that, I mean power generates power. Fathers and mothers, they raise children who become fathers and mothers who raise children who become fathers and mothers. Power is not like money. Okay, if I've got $10 and I go to Teresa and I give Teresa $5, now I only have $5. But power doesn't work that way. If I've got power and I go and give someone power, I don't lose the power I've got. If I, as a father, use my knowledge to educate my children in the Word of God, I don't have less knowledge of God, but they have more. If I use my power to discipline them, to instruct them, to teach them to be merciful and just towards people, there is not less mercy and justice. There's more of it. And if you have power, if you have a job, if you have connections, if you have a network of people and your friend doesn't, and you connect them to that network, and you help them get a job, you don't have less power. But now there is more power in the world. Power is not a zero-sum game. Amen? Power generates power. We are called to steward it, not to hoard it. We are called to use the power God has given us justly. Not to oppress and put down, but to lift up. But here's the problem. We're sinners. And we are selfish. And so we don't. And while we get angry at the misuse of power that's always happening above us, and while we get angry at the authority around us and we kick and we scream and we fight back, the truth is 
all of their sins are our sins too. We curse Donald Trump because he has oppressed the refugee. But what are we doing to help? We get irritated with the mayor because he doesn't spend enough time in our neighborhood with the people who need the most help. But what are we doing with our time? How are we paying attention to the people God has given us? Are we paying attention to our spouses and our children? Are we paying attention to the people in need who live on our street? Or are we just doing what we want to do? Are we just using our time the way that makes us feel most comfortable? We get mad at leaders because they mistreat the masses. But how are we treating the people that God has given us? So here's the point. We're doomed. (laughs) When it comes to this commandment, we are doomed because we rebel against the power above us and we misuse power towards the people beneath us. We do not honor God's authority in the way we treat our leaders and we do not steward the power he has given us in the way we treat the powerless around us. We are guilty before this law. Do you understand? We cannot stand and declare ourselves righteous when we read the fifth commandment. And so, God shows us how he has used his power. This is my last point. God shows us how he has used his power. Now, during our our reading, Carell beautifully read for us a pretty horrifying passage. It is one of the civil laws of Israel. You can tell a civil law in the Old Testament because it comes with a punishment. Now, we today, we don't follow these civil laws because we're not a part of the nation state of Israel. We don't keep the rules like that, but instead, we see the moral law that God has given us, and we use that to know how to glorify him. So if you're wondering, you know, why we don't stone people, it's because we're not supposed to. That was for the nation of Israel. That's not, not for us. But here's what it says. It says, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take a hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. We don't keep this law anymore, but the law shows us how God feels about the fifth commandment. God takes it very seriously. In fact, he shows us that our breaking this commandment deserves death. Those who break the fifth commandment, those who reject the authority of God, this law tells us there is no hope for them. And that's us. That's every single one of us. There is no hope for us. And that is why Jesus had to come. 
That is why God the Son came to earth. You see, Jesus is the only one who has ever perfectly kept this fifth commandment. Jesus is the only one who could say in John, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me. When Jesus faced the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, He said, Father, if You are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but Your will be done. The message of the Gospel, the hope of the Gospel is that that perfect Son came and He took Your place. And as I read that passage in Deuteronomy this week, and I heard the charges that the parents were laying out towards their children. He says that he is, he is rebellious, he is stubborn, he's a glutton, he's a drunkard. I was reminded of Matthew chapter 11. Do you remember this? When Jesus is talking about why the people of Galilee had rejected him. And he says that you say, I am a glutton and a drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. Well, Jesus, they were half right. He is a friend of sinners. And so when he came, when the world rejected his authority, when they mocked him and spat on him and beat him, that perfect son went to the cross and he took our place. He took the place of all of us rebellious children. And on the cross he took the penalty for our sin. He died the death we were supposed to die. And now, you, me, when we come to Him in faith, Scripture promises us that He takes our rebellion and He replaces it with His obedience. He takes our stubborn and rebellious and hard hearts and He gives us a new heart. A heart that becomes more and more like His every day. The only way, folks... The only way you will ever be able to keep this law, the only way you will ever be able to submit to authority is if you come to know Jesus as your Savior. Is if you come to know the one who was the greatest authority this world has ever known and who submitted himself to bad leaders. Who died for us under unjust rulers. The only way that you will ever be able to use your power wisely is if you come to him and confess your injustice and let yourselves be transformed by the Savior. The one who tells us that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him and yet he did not use that authority for injustice. He didn't use that authority for oppression. He used that authority for your redemption through his righteousness and faith. I want to invite us this morning to come to him in response as we come to this table. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you are the one in authority. And Lord, we are condemned by this law. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us all right now for the ways that we have disrespected authorities that you've given us and the ways that we have mistreated the weak around us. God, would you give us humility and contrition and would you help us to recognize our Savior who stands in our place 
and shows us how to keep this law. Lord, I pray that you would transform our hearts and make us like him in Christ's name. Amen.